Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you here in the great state of Texas. I say that with a little more emphasis because I was out of the country for about a week and a half and first time I've traveled internationally. I'll get into that a little bit later in the show because we want to jump right into our guest who has a very important and demanding schedule for the state of Texas. Our guest today, and he's no no one new to the Texas Values Report. He's been on with us before. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is joining us today. Ken Paxton is the 55th, excuse me, the 51st Attorney General of Texas. He was elected in 2014. He served in the Senate. He served in the Texas House. I was a constituent of his at one point when I lived in the North Texas area, but he is a leader when it comes to religious freedom, when it comes to issues related to faith and family, and a whole host of issues related to things that he does in his position as the attorney general leading litigation to stand up for our constitutional rights, to stand up for issues related to child support and a whole host of things. But we want to get into some details of some of the really important decisions that he's been involved in recently. General Paxson, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad you're back, too. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, look, a couple of big decisions as the U.S. Supreme Court rounded out there or finished their term in addition to a a new justice being uh, appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Let's talk first about the big religious liberty decision, though. This decision coming out of the state of Colorado worked, worked its way all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. This was Christian cake baker Jack Phillips, who was being forced by the government to go against his beliefs to create a message and a design that went against his beliefs regarding marriage between a man and a woman. The government was trying to punish him, fine him. Then they wanted to get reeducated. You know, many people may be familiar with some of the details, but I know religious liberty is important to you and your office. It's so important. You led a 20-state coalition of states filing a brief at the U.S. Supreme Court supporting uh, Christian Bake. Christian cake baker Jack Phillips on this issue, victory seven to two. Tell us a little bit about your reaction. I know it's been several weeks, but I think we're you know a lot of us are still kind of combing through it, and a lot of people may not be aware of us. Tell us about your involvement and why this issue is important. Well, religious liberty cases have become a a, a big part of what we do. I never really expect that, and I think that's maybe a new kind of focus for for attorney generals across the. Uh, across the country haven't really viewed that as, as, you know, maybe a state interest. But when you're talking about defending the Constitution, what's more important than the First Amendment? And here you you have a, a state that is striking at the very heart of First Amendment liberties. And so we organized a 20-state coalition and drafted an amicus brief, which is a friend of the court brief, to explain to the court why this guy's uh, constitutional rights were being violated and why he should be protected. And fortunately, you know, the court uh, not not really surprising to us, came down with a, a pretty strong opinion. Well, and look, to take us back a few weeks, you know, when the decision came out, you had folks on the other side, if you will, folks that want to use the government to restrict people's religious liberty rights. They want to use the government to punish people because of the religious belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. And look, that, that that's where the law has been for so long uh, until recently when the U.S. Supreme Court made a ruling on these issues trying to tell states what to do. But so not a surprise that there are Christians and other people out there that believe marriage between a man and a woman. They have a private business. They have a right to run their business based on their beliefs. But what we heard from the other side was that this was a narrow um, decision, victory, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, the decision was 7-2. 
Okay, you had two so-called liberal justices uh, join the other five, one swing vote and four conservatives, if you will. Uh, Look, and and your quote gets right to it. This is a landmark victory for our religious liberties and religious freedom and freedom of speech. It is a landmark victory. It's a huge victory. There's still work to do on this issue, but it's very important. I would think you agree. No, I totally agree. It's definitely a landmark victory. The the, the decision was fairly narrow based on the fact of this case, so certainly— uh, the court left open uh, other issues for the future, but it is a, definitely a step in the right direction. And the fact that it was 7-2, I, I think, uh, tells you that our case was uh, very, very strong. And I think that's a good sign for, for the future of religious liberties. Hopefully it is, especially as we may be adding a, a new justice that, that cares about the Constitution. Well, that's right. And, and the basis of these rulings or these challenges, these issues are local laws or state in in Colorado, they have a statewide law. We see some of these local laws in place here at the um, at the city level in the state of Texas because of the dynamics of of some of these cities or the way they're not letting people know about these things ahead of time where they have sexual orientation, gender identity as protected classifications for discrimination protection. And what that does, it ends up setting up this dynamic where it pits people that are Christian business owners or whatever their beliefs are. They have a view that marriage between a man and woman. And now you've got these laws where people say, well, these are my beliefs about sexual orientation, gender identity. So the government is going to pick a side and they're going to pick a side against something historical like the First Amendment versus something that's just happened in some of these states and cities more recently. This was a major test regarding that conflict, if you will, or that intersection of these two things. And, you know, look, you're right. There's still much, much to do moving forward. But I think it is a very strong sign that if the government creates a law that then is used to target or to restrict people's religious belief, uh, particularly private business owners, those laws, I believe, are suspect now. And I believe we'll see more people stand up against them. There's no doubt, Jonathan, that, that when marriage between uh, same-sex uh, partners was, was passed, that there would be tension now between the First Amendment and this newly minted constitutional right to, to same-sex uh, marriage. And so we're seeing the ramifications of that. I, can, I think we're going to continue to see the ramifications of that. Fortunately, in this case, Justice Kennedy and some of the more, more liberal judges uh, sided with us. And I'm obviously hopeful with, uh, with the new, new potential Supreme Court nominee that we can more solidify um, these type of um, cases going before the court and that they will solidify the position that the First Amendment is is, is supreme and that people have their, their constitutional right to believe and act on their beliefs the way they, they want. Yeah, that freedom to believe uh, has not gone away. That I mean, we, we take on new issues and new subjects that relate to it, but I think it's clear that principle is still firm as it should be. Another big case that came out of the U.S. Supreme Court came out of the state of California, and this was a case similar to, to an issue that I know someone in your office, Jeff Matera, is familiar with, um, where you had pregnancy centers and there was a law at, the, at where the government, and this was at the state level, trying to force them to convey a message. Pro-life pregnancy centers trying to force them to share a message related to abortion, related to giving women information about where they could get abortions. Really, the government forcing them to say and do something in speech-wise that went against their beliefs, trying to help women on some of these situations regarding uh, pregnancies, and goes all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And another big victory on an issue that relates to free speech and also relates to innocent human life. I know that was something you supported and your office supported as well. 
Yeah, we, we were we were involved in this case and supporting it as well. And it was it was a, a closer decision, five four. And fortunately, Justice Kennedy uh, decided correctly to protect the First Amendment rights of these um, um, pregnancy centers that obviously do want do not want to be forced to advertise uh, something that is is against their whole purpose and what they believe and their own oftentimes their own religious beliefs. So again, another big First Amendment case but, uh, on speech and religious liberties that, that went the right way. Well, look, my, my counterpart, if you will, or the, the, uh, the leader that's in my position for, for the state of California, he runs a family policy conference there, uh, um, family policy council there. His name is Jonathan Keller. Uh, I, I know he thanks you a lot for your involvement. I mean, look, when Texas gets involved in these issues and brings other states to the table, we know it makes an impact at the U.S. Supreme Court. We know it gets noticed. It raises the profile. It, it raises the awareness. And and I think it is a big reason why uh, we're seeing victories because of the role that your staff and your office is playing in bringing together other states on such important cases. And if that case would have went the other way, there would have been concerns about seeing this issue come back up again in Austin like it was four or five years ago when we were together beating back something at the city level similar to what was happening in the state of California. Well, before we lose you, I just want to throw in a mention and a thank you. I know there's been some things going on in the Fort Worth ISD, and, and that's you know nothing new. There, th- These issues have been going on for several years. Now, related to gender issues, sexuality issues, now there's a concern regarding, and a lot of that's related to the school districts just not being up front with parents, just not being forthcoming with information. And so here we see, again, parents being concerned about some sex ed curriculum out of Fort Worth. I know your office put together some information and an opinion making it very clear what the rights are of parents regarding getting access to sex ed information. And we just want to know we appreciate your work on that. And I know, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. But as we get closer to the second half of the summer and kids are sending their kids back to uh, parents are sending their kids back to school, it's important for them to know what their rights are. And it's so helpful that you're up there standing for their parental rights. Yeah, well, look, parents have a right to know what their kids are being taught. All we did was send a letter telling the Fort Worth Independent School District that they could not hide hide what was being taught to um, these parents and their and their children. And so um, this is a right the parents have, and so that we're there to make sure that 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 happens. Well, and look, and that and that is the the value of having someone at your caliber and your team to step in when parents need a voice because sometimes they get ignored. It's kind of hard to ignore the Attorney General of Texas. Uh, and if you do, it's probably not a good idea. Uh, and so we appreciate you stepping up. We know um, your schedule's demanding and you've got to peel off. We just want to thank you for doing the work that you do. We want you to know that um, we continue to pray for you and pray for your team. And we're looking forward uh, to doing whatever we can to be of service to you. And we're, we're appreciated that you're setting such a great model for Texas for other states to follow. Well, thank you, John, for having me on again. Thank you for what you do for um, all of these important issues. Great. Well, great to have Attorney General Ken Paxson on the show. He is, you know, as you can imagine, um, on the go, very active, meeting with his team, being involved in litigation, and then not only in their own litigation, but then supporting other litigation from other states. And so um, we'll certainly have him back. We missed him at the convention. We were going to interview him at the Republican convention, but the schedule was so unpredictable those couple of days. And so um, 
So we missed that opportunity. So we're great, grateful that we were able to circle back around. And and it's great to have someone from Baylor because uh, Attorney General Paxson went to Baylor University for undergrad. And then in our studio is our outgoing intern, Michael Johnson, who is a Baylor student. Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to this summer as an intern for Texas Values. Yeah, so uh, I'll be a junior at Baylor University uh, studying political science. And um I've just I've had a fantastic summer. It's really hard to sum up, but um, you know Jonathan and the the uh, team they really took me in. Um, they really treated me like family rather than an intern. So I've gotten to do everything from the uh, Texas Republican Convention, you know, getting up uh, to go to the Capitol a lot. Um, they really give you a seat at the table to learn and listen. Uh, and I mean, I really can't think of a better place to be for an intern. So it's been great. Well, there you go. Look, and, and just so people know, a lot of our internships are during the summer when students are out of class, but we have people that intern, students and intern for us in different times of the year too, in the spring, in the fall, and certainly during the legislative session. And so if you're interested in interning for us, send us an email at info at txvalues.org. We'll take a look at your resume. It's always nice to send a cover letter. I think Michael sent a nice letter to us too. We got um, some references from him as well, people that that know his family, that know his background and work, that always helps. But we do, we have interns that work for us year round and it's not just undergrad. We have law students, we have some really sharp uh, homeschool students that are, you know, on the verge of, of graduating from high school or being at that level that we've had in our office. So kind of a wide spectrum there of ages and academic levels. And so, look, if you want to get involved in the work we do, if you want to see what's happening on the front lines, uh, you know, there, there's it, you'll be hard pressed to find a better place to do it. And so, and some of that does come along with um, being in Austin. But, you know, Michael, you've been around a little bit, got to see some things. We're going to go to a baseball game later today um, and taking a little bit of baseball at the Round Rock Express. And so, you know, Austin's different than Waco, I'm sure. But, um, but I'm sure you got to you know, have a little leisure time, too, in yeah, the definitely. capital city. Yep. And so Michael's going back. He's going to be a junior. And so, you know, look, we stay in touch with our interns, too. I was telling Michael, you know, one of our interns um, interned with us as an undergrad, wanted to go to law school. And, you know, during the time that he worked with us, he was able to form some relationships that turned into a letter of recommendation that I certain um, gave, you know, was nice a nice part of his package when he applied to Texas Tech Law School. Mark Dibb is one of our former interns, and I believe he's in his last year at law school. And so, and, and there are a whole list of folks um, that have interned with us that are going on to do great things. One of them is working in the governor's office. Um, one of them that interned with me is a state representative. And so, look, you can go on to do great things when you intern with Jonathan Signs and Texas Values. I'm just saying. OK, but, you know, looking at, and I'm having some fun with that, but I want people to understand it's not a one way street. It's not you can come in and serve us and work for us and we're going to, you know, you know, work you to death or whatever and then um, run you out the door. We want our students and interns to get value to it as well. We want to we want to be put them in a position to be successful and then to see how they're doing and then for them to go on and do great things to serve uh you know, our community or our state, maybe they want to do things at the national level. Mark Dibb had an internship in D.C. this summer um, as a law student. And so, you know, you never know. Um, so I, you know, at the in the short term, it's about 
the work we're involved in, getting experience and them helping us as well. But it's also about how we can multiply folks in our state and have them go out and do great things. And so and I, I get excited about it, too, because, you know, it wasn't that long ago when I was an intern. Maybe it was. It was a long time ago. But uh, but I can remember those opportunities in those time periods. And, you know, some of the work we're doing, you know, we're working on U.S. Supreme Court cases, Texas Supreme Court cases. We are literally drafting legislation right now for the state of Texas that's likely to end up in law. The last three legislative sessions, there have been in 2013, 2015, and 2017, religious freedom bills that we have drafted either um, on our own or as a part of a team of lawyers and advocates. And so, you know, when you know that you're putting words that end up becoming law, it's hard to have much more of an influence when it comes to law and policy than that. So Michael's been doing a great job. But, you know, look, we're, we got a big conference coming up. Michael, you're going to be, you know, helping out with a little bit of this before you leave. And I'm sure um, keeping in touch to see how we're doing. But in September, we've got a huge policy conference, September 7th and 8th. Um, it's going to be right here in the Austin area for our listening audience on the radio. The show is podcast, and I know you can listen to it online and find it all over the place. But it's here in Austin. It's September 7th and 8th. If you go to our website, txvalues.org, you can see more about that. Michael, you think we can get some young people? You think you can tell some young people, Baylor, maybe make the drive down on September 7th and 8th? Oh, I mean, definitely. Mostly because, you know, uh, there's so many influential conservatives that are coming to this uh, policy conference. And so, you know, it's so important for young people and college students to get involved with this. So, and, you okay. know, Waco and Austin are so close. So. That's right. Well, let me check the football schedule. <clears throat> Okay, because we know how that can be. I know the University of Texas does have a game that Saturday, the the time has not been announced yet. Um, Oh, interesting. Um, Baylor plays at UTSA on the 8th, and so that's in San Antonio. Uh, Maybe they could come, they could pass through, they could come to the conference on Friday in Austin and then head down to San Antonio the next day, depending on what time the game is. Maybe it'll be a night game. I don't know how that's going to work out. The policy conference is from 1 to 5 on Friday, and then we're having a private dinner with Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick that Friday night at Maggiano's. There's still tickets you can get. And as a matter of fact, early bird pricing is about to end. I think it's going to end on July 31st, okay? So you got about four or five days left. You want to lock those early bird pricing in, particularly if you're a college student, okay? I do think we're we are offering discounted tickets for students, just so people know. But um, on Saturday, it's running from 9 to 4. So if Texas plays at night, if Baylor plays at night, you're going to be okay. And so, but, um, you know, look, I always got to be, you know, um, sensitive to the college football schedule in this part of our country. Um, We we have a new member of our team that we'll introduce in the show next week. We're having some fun and talking about college football and how important it is uh, in our office. But even though it's not a part of what we do, uh, living in Texas, you know, football just seems to be a lot this time of year. But that's a whole nother subject. But so policy conference coming up September 7th and 8th. Early bird pricing is about to end. It ends on July 31st. Um, look, I think early bird pricing is $30 for the policy conference. Okay. $30 gets you a day and a half policy conference. Ted Cruz. You heard Ken Paxson earlier on the show. He's going to be there. Okay. You've got... Um, 
Eva Guzman, Texas Supreme Court Justice. The newest Texas Supreme Court Justice, Jimmy Blacklock, is going to be there. You got Kelly Fedork, who litigates cases in a national level for Alliance Defending Freedom. She was a part of the winning legal team for the Masterpiece Cake Baker case and for the NIFLA Pregnancy Center case. You want to find out from her what was really going on behind the scenes, what was a part of the strategy? She's going to be there and talk about this, okay, and talk about some of the work that we're doing on privacy. David B. Wright. Have you ever heard of 40 Days for Life? He started the 40 Days for Life movement in College Station, okay? In Texas, that's where the 40 Days for Life movement started. He's going to be there talking about the pro-life issue. Our good friend Heather Gardner, who also is an A&M graduate, is going to be there as well talking about the life issue. I don't have time to go through the whole lineup because there's probably about 30 different speakers. It is packed for $30, then you get lunch too, okay? So really you're paying about $20. To have access and to hear from some of the the, uh, brightest and finest on these issues of faith, family, and freedom. And to find out where things are going. I mean, look, we've got a new Supreme Court justice that's about to come on. That's going to change some of the dynamics as as we how we see these issues play out in law and policy. So September 7th and 8th, go to TXValues.org. Get your ticket now. You want to go to the dinner with Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick? $65. That's early bird pricing, okay? It's going to change after July 31st. So for less than $100... You can go to the conference for a day and a half and get a really quality meal at Magianos, okay? And is it great to, to meet with the lieutenant governor? Absolutely. And it's going to be a smaller crowd, okay? Where I um, I think it's limited to 60, 65 seats, all right? The policy conference, we're going to have 200 people there. That's the max. We're going to sell out, okay? You want to get the tickets before they sell out. The dinner's going to be a little bit more private and a smaller crowd. So you'll get to get up close and personal with the lieutenant governor, but Maggiano's is good, okay? I don't know if you like Italian food. That place knows how to do it. So you get a great meal, great policy conference for less than $100, okay? I didn't take any marketing and sales classes at the University of Texas when I was a student, but I did work in the restaurant business, and I, I read the book Service at Sales. Yes, I know a little bit how, how to sell, but I don't have to sell this conference, okay? I just got to tell you about it. It's going to be worth it. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be speaking too. Nicole Hudgens is going to be speaking and so, so I mentioned that I was coming back to the United States. I came back uh, really Monday morning. I was in Jordan. Uh, it, I mean, it was an amazing trip. You know, I had never traveled off the North American continent. So much history there that relates to the New Testament and the Old Testament and our Christian faith. Just really fascinating. And, and to be in another place and to kind of unplug for a little while. Um, and so I'm excited that the staff got to you know, get involved and kind of pick up the slack while I was gone. But just a really amazing time to be there and to see so many amazing things and so many different experiences. I'm going to unpack that a little bit later at another show because we're about to run out of time. But if, look, we did a big fundraising push at the end of June, but just, just keep in mind, we have those expenses every year, every month. So we're getting towards the end of July. If you want to donate to our work, go to txvalues.org. You can make a tax-deductible donation for our work. You know, our budget is about a million dollars. We do have to raise money every month to keep the lights on, if you will. But that allows us to have an opportunity to have people like Michael come in and intern for us. Um, James, that you'll meet, I'll have him featured next week, our newest staff member. He's going to be doing communications work for us. 
Um, we'll spend a good segment with him. We're also hiring right now a development associate. We need to have someone full-time that can help us grow our organization, that can help us interact with people that want to financially support our work and invest in what we do and build relationships. You want to do full-time work in Austin? You want to make a difference for faith, family, and freedom? This is one of the best places to do it. We don't hire very often. So this opening is not going to last long, but it is a full-time position. It does come with a parking space, which you really need in downtown Austin. Okay, trust me. <laughs> but look, so contact our office, info at txvalues.org. If you're interested or you know someone that's interested, because we're looking to hire someone very soon as we're in the second half of the year, and we got a lot of work to do. And so, but look, you know, I, I didn't talk a lot about um, the Cape Baker decision because I was about to head out of town when some of that was happening. These are big decisions, okay? I'm going to spend some time talking about that. And, and look, we've got a new Supreme Court justice that has been nominated, and we're going to go through these hearings about, um, we're going to find more about him. You know, you're going to see people say all kinds of things, but there is history there to someone being nominated. This was um, Elena Kagan, I believe, was nominated in 2010. It was an election year. And so there's no reason why this can't get done by November. Uh, and, and who knows if there'll be a third justice that Trump gets to a point. But these dynamics do impact what happens in Texas because the, the legislature, which is going to start meeting in January, their bills are already being drafted. They can start being filed in November. But a lot of the talk is, well, what if we try to get this law passed, what are some of the Supreme Court justices going to say about it? And maybe we shouldn't even pass it because it's going to get struck down. I don't really put a lot of value. Well, I don't put a lot of weight in a lot of those arguments. I understand that they're that they can relate to this and you don't want to be reckless, but you don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do. I mean, you may have some idea of four, four, and then you got a swing vote. But my point is, if that's if that is a part of the equation, it is for for many people that. Those dynamics have changed, okay? You've got a new justice that now on there, Gorsuch. You've got a new one coming up, assuming that, that, that things are going to uh, roll forward and, and Kavanaugh is going to get confirmed. You know, that does change some of the dynamics. I mean, and, and look, that's just the reality we live in. Um, that's not my uh, support, if you will, or endorsement of the Supreme Court having so much of that role. I, I don't really believe that it should work that way, but that just is the reality. And so we look at that. And so I think because of that, now you're going to have a new Speaker of the House in the state of Texas, um, who that might be. Certainly, it, you'd have to imagine it's going to be someone who's more faith and family friendly than Joe Strauss was. And so that is adding to a lot of encouragement, excitement and momentum as we go into the second half of the year, as we get closer to the legislative session. So you're going to want to stay on top of what we're doing. And, you know, we've had some big meetings this week with some very important people at the Capitol. That's where our work is going to be focusing, and there'll be some other litigation updates we'll be given as well. But go to txvalues.org to get updated and check back with us next week on the Texas Values Report. <laughs>